but the first time I thought, all right, you know, I've got some money and I'm just gonna do it. I don't know if this is gonna be able to be sustained, but I do know that I have money in the bank to do this. And so I'm gonna start and I'm gonna try. Hey, yogis, and thanks for tuning back into Dharma Talk. This week's episode is a cool one for me that I'm excited about because it is the second time that I got to interview someone that I've never met before in person and with whom I made this connection purely out of Dharma Talk. I love that aspect of um, being the host of this show. It's opened up my world to all of these new people and um, this connection was actually an introduction from a listener of the show. So if you have recommendations about people I should bring on the show, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I definitely encourage you to reach out. You can find me on Instagram at henrywins, or you can contact me through my website, henrywins.com. But enough about me. Uh, I really love this interview with Rachel Knowles because you can tell right off the bat that she is just fearless. And I don't mean that in the sense that she doesn't feel fear. I mean that she sees it and she just moves forward anyway. And I have so much respect for people like that. Rachel created a nonprofit organization in Atlanta, Georgia called Cultivate Union. And we talk primarily about that in this episode. We talk about why yoga should be treated as a legitimate profession and what she and Cultivate Union are doing about it. We talk about what it means to democratize yoga at multiple levels and how yoga teachers with alternative voices, interests, and relationships can access financial resources through Cultivate Union to continue their education and commitment to service. She also shares a cool uh, little hack, how to reroute your brain toward intentionality and away from reactivity by changing a setting on your phone. And lastly, we talk about getting inspired by movers and shakers in your community and then bringing that same energy to your own zone of genius and passion. So you're going to hear all about that here from Rachel right after these announcements. This is a time-sensitive update. If you're listening to this episode on the day that it airs or the day after, which is Friday, then you still have the opportunity to enter my giveaway. One lucky winner is going to take home what I'm calling the Traveling Yogi Bundle, which includes a Lifeform travel mat, you choose the color, a $50 Airbnb credit, and a virtual 60-minute private lesson with me conducted over Skype. So why am I doing this? Well, I'm really grateful for this technologically connected world that we live in and all of the opportunities it's afforded me to practice and teach all over the world. And I wanna encourage you to go out and do that too. Expand your worldview, meet different people, and of course, take your practice with you wherever you go. So for a chance to win those three prizes, head on over to henrywins.com giveaway. It takes five seconds to enter, good luck. Yogis, I've got a whole lineup of special events coming your way this summer that I'm excited to share with you, and I'm going to rattle them off in order of most serious to most lighthearted and fun. Okay, first of all, I'm assisting Jared McCann in his 300-hour quote-unquote advanced teacher training at Lighthouse Yoga School in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, this July. 
Now, it's advanced in the sense that we will be working on sequences that include advanced asanas, but really the more advanced part about it is the intensity of the spiritual practice or sadhana. Every single day is going to start with seated meditation in a group and you'll take away a practice that you can carry forward for the rest of your life. Uh, I did this training myself last year and this year I'm helping out with it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Next, if you're not really interested in becoming a yoga teacher, you can still do the teacher training, but we also have another option for you, which is a 30-hour intensive over the Labor Day weekend. Uh, this one is four days of intense practice with posture clinics, um, yoga philosophy training, and lots of meditation as well. This is a great option if you don't want to make the time or financial investment of a teacher training, but you really want to deepen your practice. And then the last thing I want to share with you is also in July, in between the two modules of the teacher training, I'm going to be in Chicago for the We Are Yoga Vacation. It's taking place at 105F, Chicago's original hot yoga studio. But they're going to be yoga classes of all different styles, different teachers teaching all the different classes. And we're going to take excursions too, so it'll be fun. We've got Pitchfork Music Festival going on, Chicago Cubs games, if that appeals to you. So here's the deal. I've got a special 10% discount for you, my Dharma Talk listeners, my followers, for any or all of these three events. You can apply that 10% to your tuition for teacher training or the immersion or a four-day pass at 105F for the Chicago vacation. So to get that discount code and register for the events, head on over to henrywins.com events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode of Dharma Talk. This week, I've got my guest, Rachel Knowles, on the line. Rachel is an Atlanta-based yoga instructor and the founder of Cultivate Union, a community nonprofit organization that promotes sustainability, access, and equity in the Atlanta yoga community. Rachel's work is anchored in the belief that mindful movement and awareness practices are the most democratic tools available for collective healing and positive social change. I'm excited to hear more about what all of that entails, what you're doing with your nonprofit organization. Uh, but first of all, how are you doing? And thanks for coming on the show. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm really excited. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. We always start these interviews off with the same first question. Today will be no different. And that question is this. What does the word dharma mean to you? And what is your dharma as you understand it today? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really love the idea of unpacking dharma. I actually, um, every couple of months, do a workshop on the Bhagavad Gita because it's one of my favorite texts. So what I understand Dharma to mean is sacred duty. And um, I understand that Dharma is something that we can 
we hold individually, but serves a collective. There's almost an uncovering that we need to do to explore it and to find it. And so my understanding at this moment <laughs> of what my dharma is, um, I think it's related to just supporting people and being more of who they are. I like that, you know, and I like that you brought it back to this idea of the individual's connection to the collective and, and in your intro, I, I dropped that line in there too, which, you know, you gave to me your bio. So I know that that's something that's top of mind for you. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what specifically your organization is doing in the Atlanta yoga community? Yeah, absolutely. So I founded Cultivate Union in 2016 and Really, it was founded out of wanting to see something that I wished I had had. So at that point, I'd been teaching yoga for four years, and I'd mentored in teacher trainings and co-taught teacher trainings and run a local studio and considered opening a studio and just was really in the thick of it, really in the grind of it. And the only reason I had been able to sustain my studies um was in part because of the generosity of other people who knew that I couldn't afford to pay for trainings all the time, but would just say, hey, like, come on in, or um, let's just trade, or whatever it was. Really generous people in the community who took me under their wing, and I wanted to create something that provided resources for yoga instructors, and I really felt strongly that yoga... um, was like a profession, right? Like an actual field. And if that's the case, then we need resources. So that's where the first idea was. The first idea um, that I had when I was building Cultivate Union was to provide financial assistance for certified yoga instructors to take specialized and advanced trainings. And that is what we do. So um, in the year and a half that we've had active programming, we've given almost 30 instructors financial assistance here in Atlanta um, in varying amounts, but including up to, you know, the largest one we've given is $1,500. And so wow, that's one. That's great. I mean, that's, that make, that's such a chunk of change for someone who's going to go out and do a teacher training. It, I mean, it is I think a chunk we, of change. <laughs> there, there, is, there are a lot of listeners on this show who are yoga teachers themselves, and I'm sure they can relate to the challenges of, you know, securing the financial funds to continue their education. Mm-hmm. But what I like most about what you said is not just that you're providing a way for these teachers to continue their education, but it also gets away from the trades and the underhanded deals because ultimately, you know, we do want this to be a, a legitimate profession and the the communities, the studios, the senior teachers who are providing these trainings should be paid too. You know, and this, this kind of helps everyone. It's a win-win. So great idea. I love what you're doing. Thank you. And I mean, that's everything that you said is it and more. And remembering that has even helped me refine the idea because initially I thought I'll just give people money. And then I thought, well, what if they just go to like New York or LA and like really here in Atlanta, we have some amazing teachers and I really wanted to be able to bolster the local yoga economy. So it's specifically for Atlanta-based trainings. I see. So there's there's an element of building up this area and and um, democratizing yoga, as, as you put it in your bio. I like that too. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, trying to at least. Like, I don't know if it's going to work, but we'll see. It's like a project. Yeah, you chip away, you know, one little piece at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Rachel, I'd like to hear now a little bit about your personal yoga practice because to take on a project like this, you know, as a yoga teacher, you got to come from a full cup, you know. So what does your yoga practice look like these days and how has it supported you on the path of creating uh creating the organization? Yeah, totally. Um well, before I dig into that, I will say there is a whole other part of Cultivate Union that I didn't mention, which is Oh yeah, let's hear um, it placing yoga teachers in the community in partnership with local organizations. So I partner with a local healthcare system and a few different transitional homes to bring yoga into their behavioral health programming. So that's the other part in terms of the sustainability bit is putting teachers in the community and not expecting them to teach for free, which is definitely a choice at times. Like service is a real thing. And I also think it's important that we create paid opportunities for teachers, considering, again, um, the idea that I want to support that yoga is a profession. Yeah. And so you know, I just just, to throw that out there. for sure. Yeah. And, and just like to come to more, uh, a more fundamental understanding of this, like apart from mm-hmm. the reputation of the industry as a business or not a business service, not service, if you want to continue doing something, no matter what. In, in what way you're contributing to society, you need to have funds to be able to live your life, you know? So mm-hmm. to give is great, but you, you got to have that foundation first. So it's important. Right. 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 Yeah. So I just, I wanted to throw that out there because that was something that evolved organically and I was not interested in doing initially. <laughs> um, one of my board members came to me with an opportunity that I couldn't really turn down. And that has also been a really thriving part of what we do. Um, but yeah, so my personal practice is really, um, like restorative yoga (laughs) and a lot of breath work, really just sitting, observing my breath and giving myself space and silence, um, and grounding. And so I consider kind of my whole morning ritual to be a part of my practice. I get up, I don't look at my phone. I usually take my dog for a walk first and I go without my phone. So I have some time just to like get in my body and think all my thoughts. And I'm also like looking at the sun and the trees and breathing. (laughs) And then I come inside and sit in front of my puja and do a little seated practice. The time length varies, you know, sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes, but it all kind of wraps up into one, making sure that I'm giving myself space at the start of the day. Love that. Yeah. I've actually heard other people say this is a kind of a tip along the lines of not looking at your phone, just to actually put it on airplane mode before you go to bed and force yourself not to slip into those patterns of, you know, checking the email, checking the text, looking at all the notifications because you're so right. You know, first thing in the morning is an amazing opportunity to approach your day with clear thoughts and set intentions apart from what you're reacting to out there in the external world. So thanks for sharing that little routine. Yeah. And I'll also say um, this is a tip, like take all notifications off your phone. (laughs) 
I don't have yeah. any, I literally don't get any notifications, not email, social media, nothing. Um, I do get texts, of course, but um, so I rarely wake up with that kind of like barrage of information and it makes it easier for me to not go for my phone throughout the day because I don't have like any notifications. And so I can always really be checking myself when I'm picking up my phone, like, oh, do I actually need to look at my phone? So it's, it's like a little bit of like, I'm trying to reroute my brain, retrain my brain. So that's another yeah. tip. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I've definitely taken the notifications away from some of the apps, but I haven't gone cold turkey yet. So that's inspiring. It's liberating. I see I other phones and I'm like, whoa, he's stressing me out. Yeah, the, the, the comma on the red bubble in your email just stresses me out. Like I see people with over a thousand unread emails that can't even deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's go back to your dharma, your purpose, what you're doing with um, with your nonprofit. Take us back to the moment where this all clicked for you. I know you said that it came from a problem that you had had, but where did the idea come from to to create this as a service to other teachers out there or in your community? I should say. Yeah, and thank you for asking this question because. People rarely ask me this, but I was actually inspired by another local nonprofit, um, which was also very personal to me. But there's in Atlanta, there's a nonprofit called The Giving Kitchen, and um, it was founded after this chef passed away from cancer, Ryan Heidinger. And it was this really moving story in which the restaurant community came together to fundraise for him and support the cost of his care. And eventually he passed away. But what they did was created a foundation so that if any restaurant workers have an unexpected medical leave or cost, they're able to support them with um, the funds they need. And I just thought that was brilliant because I've also spent time working in restaurants. So service industry, whether it's a restaurant or yoga, it's really similar. You know, when you're not working, you're not getting paid. There's no paid vacation. Um, at least, you know, I hadn't experienced that until I was in a salaried role as a studio manager. Um, and that really moved me. Um, and Ryan's sister actually would come to my classes. And I didn't realize at the time, I just knew this lady, Kara, and I thought she was really sweet. And I recommended one of my teacher's books to her. And she told me eventually how helpful it was, especially helping her move through some of the grief of losing her brother. And then she told me that it was her brother that inspired The Giving Kitchen. And it really moved me. Um, and I always thought that there should be something like the Giving Kitchen for yoga instructors. And I always would tell my one friend just this, you know, I was like, God, there should be something like that. Um, and I was invited to the Lululemon Ambassador Summit in May of 2016. And I was really at capacity at that point. Um, and my body speaks to me. And I think it speaks to everyone. But um I was like running on no sleep and doing a bunch of stuff. And uh, I'd had like a full body flare up of an eczema rash. Like it was out of control. Nothing I'd ever experienced. So my body was very clearly asking me <laughs> to pause. And I remember going to that summit thinking, um, really praying for clarity around what it would be that I could do next. That would be of service, like in that kind of sacred duty way. What is a thing that only I uniquely can bring forth? 
And while I was at the summit, I met Elle Potter, and she's a founder of Yoga Buzz, a really amazing, inclusive yoga nonprofit based out of St. Louis. And we were talking, and I was so inspired by everyone at the summit. I mean, there were like Olympians there and like really amazing yoga instructors and runners. But in particular, when I met Elle, I was I thought to myself, oh, she runs a nonprofit. I can start I can start a nonprofit. I can do this idea that I have, like how how did I not realize that I could create a nonprofit? And that really catalyzed me into action. Cool. Yeah. I think that um, bears so many parallels to the yoga practice too. I mean, at least in my experience, you know, you get in to the room and sometimes you see people doing something that you've never done before and you just think, oh, wow, okay, that's possible, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. and it seems like that's the exact kind of process that you went through. First, it was the it was the seed of an idea when you saw it in another industry and were moved by it and felt the emotional impact. But then it was that step to meet someone doing something similar to you, but just a couple steps ahead that, that took you to put one foot in front of the other. So that can be a very powerful experience, I'm sure. Yes, 100%. So, you know, from there, it, I'm sure it wasn't just a smooth path to creating mm -hmm. Cultivate Union and just thriving with this nonprofit. What what happened next and, and where did you hit a wall? What did you do when you hit that struggle point, that first one? What did you do to get through that? Yeah. Um, God, your questions are so good. So I just, I'll say first that you know, relationships are so key and it's been relationships that have gotten me through the walls when I'm like, Ooh, there's something I don't know how to do. Um, somehow the right person appears in the right moment. So like I said, I went to the ambassador summit in May by October, we had our 501 C three status and I am a voracious interneter. So I just, once I left summit, I got home. i bought the, um, not the LLC, but whatever it is that you need to be a nonprofit in the state of Georgia. Like I did that immediately and I knew how to do that because I had set up an LLC and it cost like a hundred bucks. And I was, was like, this a, is was it. Legal this zoom? What, what did you say? I said, was that a legal zoom right there? Well, it's like, it's not legal zoom. You have to go to like the Georgia department. Okay. Of, you did it yourself through the, through the state website. Yes, yes. Okay. And I'd known how to do that because I'd done that before for my personal yoga LLC. Got it. Um, which surely I Googled. <laughs> but um, So I did that because I knew that would make me get into action, like just reserving the name and getting really excited. Um, and Cultivate Union wasn't taken at all as any website. So, of course, that was a go ahead. I like reserved all the social media handles and that made me really amped. And then from there, I just started to look up, okay, what do you need to become a nonprofit? What are the resources that are available? Um, and I even got to the point where I understood the difference between um, the forms you could do. So the IRS form, here's a cheat for anyone <laughs> who thinks they need to start a nonprofit. You can probably find someone to collaborate with. But <laughs> if you want a shortcut, um, the form 1023 is what you need to fill out to get the status with the IRS. And I Googled so much that I realized that, you know, just a few years prior, they had started doing a form 1023 EZ, literally E, letter E, letter Z. 
And um, it was basically like if you're a smaller organization and you don't think you'll move beyond a certain cap of money within three years, you can do the application at an expedited time and it was a third of the cost. So most nonprofits can take up to a year and it's an extremely long process filling out all of this paperwork that I knew I didn't know how to do. But this easy, it's like literally like a three page application and you click some buttons online and you pay $300. So I was like, cool. And once I got to that point, though, I realized I still don't know how to do this. Like I'm not a lawyer. And it was at that moment, you know, a friend of mine who runs a local yoga festival said, oh, you should meet this person. He's a lawyer and he literally helps people set up nonprofits as Seva because he's retired and he's a yogi. And like, that's pretty much how it's been. At the moment that I hit a roadblock, someone widens their network and brings someone in to support me. And it feels like such a blessing. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, it's perfect timing. Obviously it's like, serendipitous but there are a couple things that I took away from your story and the way that you told it first of all I love the idea of giving yourself some sort of um, extrinsic motivation like you could have just had this idea and said okay I'm gonna do this and kept it to yourself but you put a stake in the ground by you know taking that doing the IRS form even though it was like very simple or claiming the social media handles and just doing that i'm sure put a fire underneath you to say okay like i've started so it's time to take the next step mhm and the second thing is you i i love the idea of need to know or sorry n- information when you need to know it. So it's not like you have to go drown yourself in every piece of information that you might possibly need. No, you take the step forward and you get to the barrier, you get to your roadblock, and then you find the information for it. That keeps you from getting overwhelmed. And that's something that I try to remind myself whenever I'm taking on a new project. So it seems like you're you're coming from the same place there. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, this whole process has been me committing to things before I know how to do them, (laughs) really, and trying to learn um, throughout it. Like even our first financial assistance, I it's changed so much the process and the application and um, the whole shebang. But the first time, I thought, all right, you know, I've got some money and I'm just going to do it. I don't know if this is going to be able to be sustained. But I do know that I have money in the bank to do this. And so I'm going to start and I'm going to try. Yeah. So so what does the process look like for, let's say there's, let's say I'm a yoga teacher based in Atlanta and I am feeling stuck with my teaching. I want to keep learning. I'm very enthusiastic about expanding my knowledge, but I don't have the money to cover this training I want to go to. W- what would I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from the beginning, I started with, teachers that I have either personally studied with or worked with people that, you know, I really can take a stand for the way that they train. And, um, I don't have to guess what this person's experience can be. So that was really important in terms of just starting with that byline. And I'm not able to give financial assistance to every training in Atlanta. And it's not because I don't want to, it's just like lack of funds. Right. And we also were really trying to focus on what are the skills that people don't get in a traditional 200-hour training? So what are the things that can help you move beyond your foundational learning, if that makes sense? So 
Um, yeah. So what have you found to be back. those those fields or those topics? That right. Are okay. So in the past, so some of the topics we've given financial assistance to are um, a diversity and inclusion training with Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts, um, Ayurveda training with a dear friend of mine, Anna Russ. We've done financial assistance for meditation trainings, yoga nidra trainings, restorative yoga trainings, um, trauma-informed trainings, all these things that are really supplemental. And the way the process actually looks right now is um, there are kind of two buckets, if you will. The first bucket is with people that I consider to be studio partners. And I don't have a ton. I literally have two. <laughs> but I'm really happy to grow at a pace that feels organic and manageable. But these particular studios have committed to fundraising a certain amount for Cultivate Union. And we facilitate the financial assistance for programs within their studio. So people apply and it's to certain programs and there's, you know, like a three week window to complete your application. Then I have people vote anonymously. So all of the information comes in from the different questions and then we let folks know. And as we've started to give larger amounts of money, we've included a contract <laughs> Right. And also the expectation of some sort of service project. So something that this person has to bring to life as an offering that's directly related to the skills that they attained in the training or immersion that they completed. So that's, well, that's the great. one bucket with partners. Mm -hmm. And then there's other bucket is new and it's looking towards folks who don't have training yet or folks that might be outside of this traditional studio model. And that is a little bit more relational giving. So I love the idea of the application and I understand that like writing isn't always everyone's strong suit and we can't have like 18 different kinds of applications, right? Um, so I'm doing my best to be in relationship with people who are doing great work in the community and to start to tease them out and say, hey, what are you thinking about doing? Are you a teacher? Are you thinking about considering a teacher? How can we support you? And it's a little more organic. Um, and so that's something that um, we just started doing. We just gave someone funds towards a 200 hour training, which was outside of the scope of my original aim. But um, the focus of that and the focus of all of our financial assistance is not just with people that demonstrate financial need, but also for folks whose voices might not be centered in the mainstream wellness community, whether it's um, being like openly LGBTQI or um, a person of color or a person with a different body or different abilities. Um, so in that way, I want to be really sensitive for like going with relationship first, if that makes sense. And recognizing that there are some things, again, that are outside of the typical studio setting that are happening communally where we can be. And so an example of that is in Atlanta, there's a feminist bookstore and they have yoga classes and it's very inclusive and no one's turned away for cost. And so a few of my board members go there and I know a few people who are in that community and I'm like, okay, that's the next frontier for me is to be in relationship to that community, show up and see what happens organically. Maybe it's a chance to provide a teacher with resources. Maybe it's not but at least we're there and we can be available. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, when you say it the way that you did, it, it seems at first like these are very compartmentalized, I don't know, departments or, or goals of of Cultivate Union. But really, if you take it down to the bare, um, I guess, uh, impact of it all, it's the same in, in that you're spreading mm. the reach of yoga, whether it's laterally in the sense that, you know, you are putting different types of people in the role of teacher in the sort of the, the relationship model, or mm. if you're expanding the reach vertically, when you kind of empower people to specialize deeper into a focused topic. And I, I and I appreciate that, you know, those are different. There are different processes to support those two, um, those two objectives, but ultimately I see how they fit together. And I, and I think it, it does make a lot of sense. Cool. Good. Um, I don't really talk about this that much outwardly facing, at least in this much detail. So I'm glad that it's landing <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it's clear. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's helping you to crystallize your thinking around it to speak to another person about it. Um, mm-hmm. If so, great. If not, then thanks for sharing with me and our audience anyway. <laughs> Yeah, these are mostly conversations I'm having with my board. Um, So yeah, it's not so much like that outward facing, but thank you for the clarity of your questions. For sure. Okay, I'd love to hear one more story from you, Rachel. Bring us to a major win in either your recent history with, with Cultivate Union or from the beginning or something entirely separate related to your teaching and what you're doing with your life that's reaffirmed your conviction in, in the impact you're making. So what happened and then what did you do with that success to carry it forward? Mm. Okay. I'm going to take a minute <laughs> to think about that. So I guess, and I'll share something that's outside of cultivate union, but I'll bring it, you know, back to relationships because I think that's, really what yoga has been about for me. Um, It's about my relationship with my body, about my relationship with spirit or God or, you know, the unnameable. It's about my relationship with people in my life that I care about deeply. And it's about my relationship with my heart. Um, So if I were to use the term win or like one way that I might reframe that is you know, an affirmation that like, Hey, I'm doing what I should be doing. Um, most recently I was working with a private client who has been in, you know, extreme pain. He's had two back surgeries and we do super therapeutic sessions. We're not working together one-on-one right now, but we did for a while and it wasn't anything you know, crazy. We weren't, I wasn't helping him like refine his arm balances or warrior two. It was a lot of me just being with him and breathing and placing my hands on his body and directing him to having a healthy relationship with sensation, right? As we explored poses so he could start to be within what his window of tolerance is and move in a way that's functional and safe. And he would just tell me, you know, this is so helpful. I haven't felt this good in a long time. And one day in particular, when I saw him, he said, you know, I went out last night and I rarely go out without just being in pain. 
And at the end of the night, I realized I had so much fun and I wasn't in pain and I was just so grateful. And like, that's a win for me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, that's huge. Yeah, I'm like, someone's not in pain and I get to support you in that and hold you in this possibility that you can trust your body and you can trust, you know, the relationship or the way that your body tries to speak to you, which is through sensation. Um, so that, you know, that just never gets old. <laughs> yeah, it, that never gets old, right? When you when you have that kind of um, impact on a student and they're appreciative of, of what you have helped them do, but it's not you doing it, you know, you're it's just there to help them, to help guide them do it themselves. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that never gets old is like, <laughs> oh yeah, I can just keep seeing people and I can just keep being with people and something will come through that has nothing to do with me besides the fact that I'm there as a facilitator or a guide and then people can see themselves and it's just like, oh, it's making me feel like warm and fuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and also I think that story is a reminder for a lot of us yoga teachers who are so wrapped up in our practice and our yoga and the teaching and the studios and (laughs) our friends who are teachers and our friends who are students that, you know, most people out there who are practicing yoga don't live to do yoga. They do yoga to live. And it's important to stay grounded in that Mm -hmm. reality and that experience. So thanks for sharing that story. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, get a bird's eye view for a second, you know, and like untangle whatever kind of like bind you might be in about sequencing or whatever. (laughs) And just remember that like the practice just works and you just have to show up for the practice, like the end. Yep. Okay, Rachel, apart from getting your message out on this podcast, what are you doing today to live your dharma? Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) Well, I taught today, and it was lovely. And I taught a Cultivate Union class um, with women who live in a local home that supports them in addiction and recovery. So that being with them and letting go of whatever it is I think a yoga class needs to look like to just be able to be with them. And to serve. That's great. Well, now teams seems as good a time as any to move on to what I like to call the prana round. And in the prana round, I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions. I'll ask you to answer each one in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Is that clear? Do you understand? Minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Yeah. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In one word, why do you practice yoga? Healing. What's your favorite yoga pose and why? Shavasana. (laughs) To rest. (laughs) What's the single best cue or piece of advice? And it doesn't have to be, you know, related to a pose that you've ever received from a yoga teacher. Soften your jaw. Recommend one book, modern or ancient, for our audience. Oh, my God. Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown, because it will change your life. All right. That's a that's a strong recommendation. I like how no it, hesitation it there on that one. <laughs> it's literally like I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, this book. Okay. 
Okay, is yoga for everyone? Yes. <laughs> okay, last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your dharma? Oh, um, well, I, you know, my name is Rachel Knowles and that's my name on social, but it's spelled R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E and then Knowles like Beyonce. So I'm there <laughs> and you can follow me or DM me. Um, you can also email me, Rachel, spelled the way that I mentioned before, at cultivateunion.co. So just dot C-O. Um, and yeah, if you want to support, I would ask you to consider what it might be like to bring something like this to life in your yoga community. And if you want some help, I'll help you figure it out. <laughs> That's a strong call to action. Yes. Let's, let's keep spreading out this service, make yoga reach all corners of the U S and the world in mm -hmm. all different types of communities, all different types of people, all mm -hmm. different everything so mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on the show today it was a pleasure talking thank to you, you. Um, and we'll drop all your information in the show notes so people can check you out and reach out to you if they want awesome thank you so much henry this is so great you're doing good work if you got something out of this episode if you like dharma talk and want to keep it going please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but it makes all the difference in getting the show out there and more visible to other people who can benefit from it. And hey, if you've got feedback or ideas or you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. And until then, keep living your dharma.